your power come in your own special way one more time come holy spirit i need you come sweet spirit i pray come in your strength and your Lord, I'm asking that the ease of heaven would rest on this place right now. There would be no striving, no fearing, no confusion, no... um, Lord, that your love would so fill this place. It, It says, Lord, that your perfect love casts out all fear. Lord, could you just make this your living room? And here are your favored sons and daughters. And you just have happen to have some gifts for us that you want us to receive. Lord, could it be that simple tonight? We bless you. We thank you. Lord, we commit tonight to you. We give you all the glory for every good thing that's going to happen here. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Find somebody to say hi to and you can have a seat. Boy, front and center. Yeah. How are you? Come on, Desiree. I'll take the hug. Is this too close? No, that is great. I love it. All right, guys. And then you can have a seat. And uh, we are actually going to start tonight with a testimony. From our family pastor, Dave Bechtold. Can we give Dave Bechtold a hand as he comes? I wrote it out. As a young adult trying to figure out what it meant to live for Jesus, I genuinely loved God and I liked people. I enjoyed reading the Bible and hanging out with others who followed Jesus too. Christian community was wonderful, but I I eventually realized that the community of believers was only part of God's plan to grow me as his disciple. God was looking to do more within me, and truthfully, it was more than I was wanting him to do at the time. I had heard about the Holy Spirit, and I believed in him, but I was secretly afraid of all that he might ask of me if I gave him the opportunity. So I kept him at bay, making sure to fill my life with busy Christian activities. I was thrilled to build my Christian theology around the idea that the Holy Spirit would not work in strange or unconventional ways, particularly in my life, because it just wasn't necessary. This newfound belief system of mine provided me some much-needed comfort. I was a student at Christian Life College, and our class was hosting the Ascension Convention for teenagers. That year, the preacher invited the students who were attending to consider all that God had for them to open up themselves to the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their lives, namely the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He challenged us to pursue God's love and his power 
and not to hold ourselves back from anything that God wanted to do in us, with us, or through us. As the service was coming to an end, more than 100 high school students came forward, pursuing God to fill them with his Holy Spirit. It was one of the most awkward moments I can recall. And believe me, I have had many awkward moments in my life. In a moment's notice, I had inadvertently become a part of the prayer team that was lined up to pray for others to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I was immediately conflicted within, not wanting to be a hypocrite by praying for something that I didn't even want for myself. As the crowds of teenagers came forward to receive prayer from me and others, I dodged the situation by quickly turning around and being a part of the crowd who had come forward to receive prayer. As I stood there like a fish out of water, I realized what a silly and ridiculous situation I had put myself in, with in my own hungry heart and my narrow mind conflicting with each other. In that moment, I am so thankful to say that my hunger for God trumped the preconceived limitations of my mind. Now, contrary to popular belief, I actually like to control the words that come out of my mouth. The idea of having something unknown being spoken from my lips seemed unsettling to me. I didn't know what it would take, what it would look like, or what it would cost. I wanted more, but I didn't want too much. So eventually I asked God to fill me. I was scared. I waited. I wondered. The truth is, it only cost me a little bit of misunderstanding in that for just a short while. God didn't take over my mouth and make me say things I didn't want to say. As I worshipped and prayed and made myself available, he began speaking through me, and it sounded like this. Duh, duh, duh. I felt like I was trying to start my 1979 Plymouth Valari on a cold winter morning. So I tried again. Duh, duh, duh. As simple and strange as this was, I was pleasantly surprised by a few specific things. My lips didn't move uncontrollably by some magical force. The gift of this prayer language wasn't loud and obnoxious like I thought it might be, but rather gentle and powerful. I felt like a foreigner learning a new language while everyone around me seemed fluent. But as I dialed in my attention onto worshiping Jesus, I realized that the only audience that mattered was him alone. God was dwelling within me at a new level, cleansing me, enlightening me, and revealing his will to me in greater ways than I had ever known before. I didn't understand what all was taking place within me at the time, but I suppose if any of us knew what God had in store for us all at once, we probably wouldn't believe it anyway. So there I was, stumbling through syllables that made no sense, yet they were edifying me deep within as I trusted God in this strange and new process. And more than just sounds or words, my infantile prayer language grew into full-fledged speaking in tongues, which then fueled my spiritual growth on multiple levels, such as this. The Holy Spirit knows what to pray every time. And when I speak in tongues, I know that he is with me praying the perfect prayer. It's like God is sharing his battle plans through me that the enemy cannot interpret or intercept. Being filled with the Holy Spirit has sharpened my ability to discern God's voice, and to determine his will in a variety of situations. Praying in the Spirit's language activates my heart like an engine and has helped the truth of God's word to be more richly solidified in the very core of who I am. When my body is tired or my mind feels blank, 
which happens occasionally, the presence of the Holy Spirit makes within me awakens my heart to be active and alert. Speaking in tongues has empowered me to be more courageous because I can tell that I'm not going into any situation alone. Knowing that the Lord is with me in this tangible way enhances my sense of authority as a soldier of his army and a bearer of his light. The Holy Spirit is filled with gifts that God uses for his kingdom's purposes. I have spoken things to people as the Holy Spirit prompted me that only God could know. My prayers are now more in line with what the Lord is saying than anything that I'd want to say. God is good, and he is filled with love. His mercies are new every morning, and his faithfulness is great. I'm so glad that I gave up my limited theology of already having everything I needed so that God could delight in giving me more of himself. The Holy Spirit is a wonderful friend, leader, comforter, and guide. He is quick to show me where I need to change to become more like Jesus. God is jealous to consume our hearts and minds because he knows what we need most. The Father pursues us relentlessly and fills us perpetually, and he does it all for his glory and for our good. God bless you. So before we read Acts chapter 2, it really starts in Acts 1, and the disciples are gathered together, and Jesus says, I want you to go back and wait. John baptized with water. The word baptism means to be immersed. John baptized with water. Not many days from now, you are going to be baptized. You are going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. So I want you to wait for this. A few verses later, he says, why? He says, and you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. The the word power is the word dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite. You're going to receive dynamite. And it it is for the purpose of being a witness for me. Power, not not just to do witnessing, but to be witnesses. So they go back and they wait. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. So I want to tell you a little about my experience. I got saved through the Baptist Student Union at the university, 1981. And uh, we were very on fire. We were 
we were we were committed to Jesus. We were doing it all. We were we were doing what Christians are supposed to be doing. We were witnessing to everybody that moved. We were memorizing verses. We were we were doing the stuff. But my life became very very disciplined and. Um, We, I did whatever my mentors told me to do, and one day they said, we're going to go to church today, and, and they took me to Midvale Baptist Church, and we went, not just for the main service, but we went, went to Sunday school, and uh, there was a guy, a leader at that church, Midvale Baptist, his name was Dave, and uh, it, we're in this room, it's, it's me and several other young adults, I've got my mentors there, and and Dave says, today, we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about a second experience with the Holy Spirit. And he started describing what had happened to him. And, 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 and the, the process of how he got this second experience with the Holy Spirit. And then he referenced some scriptures about this and... Um, and we got done with that class and, uh, my mentors were very upset because the Holy Spirit is a person. So you can't get more of a person. And they had as much of the Holy Spirit as anybody else did. And tongues is one of the gifts and not everybody has the gift. And they were just kind of offended by the whole thing. And because they were offended, I was offended. I was like, yeah, yeah how dare he say that? How dare he say that he has more of the Holy Spirit than us or he's got an experience. And it's just, it's not biblical. We were very biblical. And so I went home that summer and when I was at home after I got saved, I would go to our campus life group. We had a, a group and uh, Larry Schultz was the leader. He still is. I, I went to lunch with him last summer. Um, amazing guy, but it's just just uh, uh, runs this group. And one of the, one of his leaders is named John. Really good guy, and he he just had a special affection for me. He was a huge introvert. I'm a huge extrovert. You probably haven't figured that out. And uh, and so he. He says, I have a book that I want you to read. And he gives me this book. It's called Smith Wigglesworth, An Apostle of Faith. And I take that book home. I'll never forget this, this night because my, my parents were playing bridge downstairs. And I can hear them. They had, uh, the bridge club was there. And I'm upstairs. And I start reading this book. And I'm like, oh, my, are you kidding? This is the late 19th century. This guy got saved through the Salvation Army. And uh, he, he became this powerful uh, Holy Spirit witness guy. And um, he, would, he would go out. He was a plumber. And he would go out and bring people. He just had a heart for souls. And he'd bring them in. And Polly, his wife, did all the preaching. And, and she wanted him to preach. And every time he would get out to preach, he just couldn't say anything. So he'd read the text and sit down. And he'd say, does anybody else have anything? And, but he was just so burning for God. And, 
And he heard about a place in England that was, was speaking in tongues. He'd read about tongues in the Bible. And so he went, he went down there. He wanted whatever was in the Bible he wanted. So he went down there to get the tongues. So he goes down there for the tongues. And they said, no, you don't need the tongues. You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, tongues just happens to go with it. He, he was very offended by that. And he sat for a week in those meetings um, convinced that he had just as much, probably more, of the Holy Spirit than these people did. And so he, he, he spends a week down there at these meetings and he's, he's packing up to go home and the pastor's wife says, listen, you came down here for something and I know that, you, you know, we did, would you mind if I just had a prayer for you? And he's like, I guess that couldn't hurt. And, and she prays for him. And he has this vision of Jesus and the blood of Jesus going over him. And he starts speaking in another language. And, and it, is, it is just a, a river coming out of him. And, um, and he goes back. And his... And, and he tells his wife that he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he, she's like, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. So it's the evening meeting. And she, she says, we're going to have a special speaker tonight. My husband, Smith, is going to speak. Come, Smith. And he gets up there and he starts preaching. And she is just like, Lord, what did you do to my Smith? I have no idea. And then he began a, a ministry of power and healing. And I'm, I'm reading, the, I read the whole book and whatnot. I am weeping as I read it. And, and the reason why I'm weeping, I mean healings, incredible healings of legs, not just legs growing out a little, but where there's a stump, feet appearing. Um, eight people were raised from the dead in his ministry. Uh, volumes of people would be miraculously healed in this man's ministry. And I'm, I'm just weeping the whole time I read it. And here's why I'm weeping. This is so different than my Christianity. My Christianity is all about me. It's all about what I do and my discipline and everything. I, and frankly, there was just this little edge of anger on me because I felt like other Christians were hypocrites because we were doing it. Because Christianity is hard. And it's, if you're really all in, it's kind of miserable. I mean, that, seriously, that was just, that was it. And I mean, and I, 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 there was reasons why I was probably reading the wrong things. But any, anyway, it was a very legalistic Christianity, and I, something happened in my heart as I'm reading this book. I'm just, this is, this is all about, Jesus is doing stuff. This isn't about us doing stuff. This is about Jesus doing stuff. And, and, and there's so much joy in it. And there's so much celebration in it. There's so much expectancy in this, this childlike faith. And I get done with this book. And I just told the Lord, I don't care what other people believe. This is what I now believe. This, this is the Christianity I want. And uh, a number of things happened that summer, but it all came to a head. Larry, 
uh, the Campus Life leader invited me to a uh, Bible study. And so I went, with, I went out to his house, and it was me and six teenagers. And, and Larry said, tonight we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? This is the only time I've ever been at it. My heart starts beating, and, and it's very similar to what Dave said. He tells his story, how he got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the difference it made. And then he goes through some of the same scriptures Dave did. And, and then he says, I would never share all of this without giving you an opportunity to receive. And so he had us bow our heads. He said, how many want to receive? And I, I mean, I, my, my hand is like touching the ceiling. I'm just like, this is, this is what I want. This is what I, I'm just, I was so hungry for it. And... And so, uh, so he says, okay, you guys can, can put those down. And apparently everybody wanted it. And so, but he started on my side. And so there's like six of us there and I'm first and, and I'm ready. I am getting, I'm getting, I know that this tongues goes with this. So I am, I am so ready to speak in tongues and keep in mind, I've never spoken in tongues. I just, so all I, all I have is what I've read about. So I'm, I'm getting ready. (laughs) I got the tongue out there because it's got something to do with the tongue. So my tongue's out. And then he, he, he prays for me. He prayed my tongue's out. It's ready to do something. And then I, I start going like this. Uh, uh, it, it really, it sounded like a sick cow that needed to be shot. It was, it was horrible. And Larry is just looking at me like, and he goes on to the next person. And now it, here's what's, here's what made me really mad. The rest of these kids, they don't even want it nearly as much as I do. This is the first time they thought about it. There's a gift. They want it. They raise their hand. And these kids are just shut up. I'll go see you. I mean, right down the line, they are speaking in tongues. Every single one of them. And I'm over there mooing. Uh, and, and I'm wagging my tongue around. Uh, I'm trying to get it. And <coughs> night's over. I go over to, I go to, go to Larry. I said, uh. I said, I said, I know I received because it's a gift. I know I received. I said, but I don't think I have the tongues yet. He says, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think that's it. And he said, but don't worry because, because it'll come. And so I'm on my way home. And of course, I'd heard these kids speaking in tongues. I'd heard Larry speak in tongues. It's the first time I'd ever heard tongues. I'm, I'm all by myself in the car. I'm like, why not take a shot at this? So I step out. I start kind of mumbling some of the things that they were saying. And all of a sudden, it's just coming. It's coming. It's coming. And I'm speaking in tongues. And I'm speaking in tongues all the way home. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm, I, I call Larry. I tell him the experience. I, he said, that sounds like tongues. And so I speak in tongues more and I'm, I'm so excited about the new gift. And then I have this, this bad feeling about what, what if I, what if I lose it at night? Well, you know, I go to bed and I get up and I can't do it the next day. And, um, and so I'm just, I just, I just go to bed and I get up the next morning and I'm, I'm so excited about the new gift. So I'm going to try it again. 
So I start speaking in tongues again. And I have a thought just as clear as can be in my mind. And the thought is this. This is not God. This is just you. I stopped. And frankly, it, it is me. I'm the one doing it. And it is weird. And how do I know it's God? But then I remember, hey, but this is in the Bible. I mean, this is in the Bible, and, and I've, I've seen those verses in the Bible, and, and, and I, didn't, I, I, I couldn't really argue that it was just me and God. How do I know for sure it's God? And so what I did is, because I, I had heard some teaching on this, and one of the verses was 1 Corinthians 14, 4, that whoever speaks in a tongue is going to edify himself. There, there's going to be a renewing, a refreshing, because you pray in tongues. And so I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm just, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I don't know if this is you or not, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to speak in tongues for one week. We're just going to run a one-week experiment. And your word says that I will be edified. And so if after a week, if there is a change in me, a change in my spiritual life, I will believe that this was you. And if not, I will never do this again because this is a little weird anyway. So over the next week I pray in tongues everywhere I go I'm, I'm praying in tongues I'm praying in tongues in the car when I go to work I'm praying in tongues under my breath when I'm at work I'm, I'm just praying in tongues and the, uh, one, one young man in our community said he explained the change that came about in me and he said Tom he said it was like you were in first gear and you were trying to go fast and you were revving that then and all of a sudden you shifted into fifth gear. That, that was the difference. That came, my whole Christianity just changed. I became this river that was flowing and believing and I, I, it, was just, it was just amazing. And um, I was so excited. And, but then I got to go back to college. I've got, I got to go back to the, to the Baptist Student Union. I know how they feel about it. I'm going to room with another Baptist Student Union leader named Warren. And I, I rehearsed in my mind so many times how I'm going to explain to Warren what happened to me that summer. And so we, 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 we're, we're fourth floor celery B. And uh, we Warren and I meet and we're talking and we go down to lunch and and I said Warren I said I don't really know how to say this that something happened to me and so he said he said uh wonderful but first let me tell you what happened to me and he tells how he got baptized in the Holy Spirit that summer and he got a new prayer language and I am like are you kidding me this is unbelievable I didn't I didn't know that anybody in Madison other than that Dave guy spoke in tongues I I how would I know? I, I just, I didn't have a lot of worldly understanding or Christian world understanding. And, and I was just, I was just stunned. And um, Warren and I were, oh my, we caused so much trouble. Anyway. I said this morning that outside of daily Bible reading, Praying in the spirit, the prayer language. Has, there's nothing that has blessed my life and my devotional life in God more than this. And that's why 
I, I so want people to have this gift and have this aid. But here's what I don't want. I don't want anybody to ask God for this because of my experience or because of anybody else's experience. Guys, I'm a Bible guy. If this isn't promised to me in the word of God and I don't see that it is promised to me in the word of God, I don't want it. In fact, it's dangerous to go for things that aren't in the Bible just because somebody had an experience. And if you don't see it in the Bible, the chances are it's probably going to get stolen from you anyway. (laughs) So I want to look at the scripture. I want you to look at the scripture. This is, this is personal. This is you and God. You and God looking at the word of God. There are many opinions about what biblical texts say. And so I want to look in the word of God and I want you to think about it. I want you to think about what the scripture says. I want you to think about whether you see it there or not. And, uh, and we will we'll have a little time of questions afterwards. All right, so first... Point one is two experiences. Do you know that Jesus had two experiences with the Holy Spirit? First one, of course, is at birth. The the angel Gabriel told Mary, here's how it's going to work. The Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. And that which is born in you is going to be wholly devoted uh, of God. And... um, Jesus had the Holy Spirit from birth. Jesus had the anointing that teaches all things. You see it when he's 12 years old. All of the scribes are in the temple and Jesus has these amazing answers. And, And so Jesus has the Holy Spirit within him at birth. But something happens when he's 30 years old. He gets baptized in water by John and then the Holy Spirit comes again. And the Holy Spirit comes on him. He says that the Spirit of the Lord is now upon me. And he has anointed me to preach, to heal, to open up prison doors. And Jesus starts his ministry. There were no miracles the first 30 years. The Bible says that the changing of the water to wine is the first miracle. For 30 years he lives, no miracles, no sermons, no ministry. And then the Holy Spirit that already was in him now comes on him for ministry. It's an empowerment for ministry. Disciples. In John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus, they're in the upper room and Jesus breathes on them. It's the only time that word is used in the whole New Testament. It's it's the same root word of the Hebrew word in Genesis 2 where God breathed, breathed his own life into Adam and Eve. Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit and and the disciples are born again. The disciples have the life of the Holy Spirit in them. Yet, even so, Jesus says before he leaves, wait. Because the Holy Spirit's not just going to be in you. It's going to be on you. Holy, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. Not to save you. You're already saved. He's coming on you 
to be a witness. He's coming on you in power to be a witness. Just like he was empowered for ministry, the holy, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it, it does help your personal life, but it is to be seen as an empowerment for ministry. Two experiences Jesus had, two experiences the apostles have. How about the Samaritans? Uh, Acts chapter 8, 12 through 17. After Philip preached the word of God to the Samaritans, um, they were baptized. Uh, then Simon himself, Simon the sorcerer, believed, and he was baptized. And that, that's salvation. You believe in Jesus, and you get baptized. But... The Holy Spirit, now, this is interesting language because Luke calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit just the Holy Spirit. And, And so there's been some confusion around this. But he says the Holy Spirit, and he's speaking of that second experience, had not yet fallen on them. So they sent for Peter and John. Peter and John came down. And notice, Peter and John did not come down and say, you guys need to go wait in an upper room. No, the Holy Spirit was already poured out at this point. Peter and John just laid hands on them, and the the Holy Spirit, the baptism, the second experience in the Holy Spirit was uh, manifest. Something similar happens in Acts 19. Paul it come, is walking to, on the road to Ephesus, and uh, Paul comes across some people that he thinks are disciples of Jesus. I don't know why he thought it, but maybe he knew them, maybe he had seen them in the John the Baptist meetings, we don't know why, but he thinks they're already disciples, they're already Christians, and here's what he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And once again, he's talking about that gift of the Holy Spirit, this this second experience with the Holy Spirit, because what they had learned about by this time is that some people get the whole package all at once. The, The Gentiles in Acts 10, no one even knew they were saved, and they were all of a sudden speaking in tongues and then the, 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 the Jews that came with them knew that the Holy Spirit had been poured out because they heard them speaking in tongues and so Paul's not sure did you receive this, this second experience when you believed and they, and they said this we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit and he's like time out we need to, we need to go back which, which baptism did you receive? And they're like, they're like we, we, we've only received John's baptism. And so he, he told them about Jesus, told them about the one that came after John, the one that John prophesied, and, and they accepted Christ. And, that, and then they got baptized in water. And after they got baptized in water, Paul's right back at it. He's laying hands on them. And there were, there were 12 guys there, and they all... He lays hands on them and the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in other tongues. Two experiences. John chapter 4 verse 14. Jesus says that whoever believes in me has a well within him leading up, springing up to eternal life. Every believer has that well. You can't be a believer without the Holy Spirit. Without the Spirit of God, you you can't be Christ. He is the one that baptizes us into Christ when we are saved. Water baptism is only an outward baptism 
uh, signifying, symbolizing the inward baptism where the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus as a mystery. Right when we believe we get saved, we get immersed in his identity. That is how we are saved. And you get the well within you and everything for you is in that well. The fruit of the spirit is in that well. Wisdom, the anointing that teaches you all things is in that well. Everybody that's saved has a well within them that springs up to eternal life. And then Jesus gives a second experience of the Holy Spirit in John 7, verses 37 through 39. If anybody's thirsty and believes in me, let him come to me and drink. And then out of his innermost being, out of that well that's already in you, is going to flow out. Rivers are going to flow out to other people. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed were later to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. One is the spirit in you for you. One is the spirit on you and through you for others. There are two experiences with the Holy Spirit. That was point one. Point two, what are tongues? (coughs) Pastor Tom, I'm all for more of God, more of the Holy Spirit. I want God's gifts. Uh, Just not tongues. Anything but tongues. That's weird. Hmm? I think God knows it's weird. Honestly. I think he put this stigma with his power. You want the power? You want to move in power? Okay, we're going we're gonna to have this little thing that's going to humble you. Called speaking in tongues. What are tongues? 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. Verse 14, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So speaking in tongues is a spiritual language that comes out of your spirit by the Holy Spirit, and it bypasses your mind. When you pray in tongues, no one understands you. You do not understand what you are saying. Now, there are tongues that people understand, that God can give you a language you've never learned, and that's your tongue, but somebody else on earth understands it. And in Acts 2, when they started speaking in tongues, the people all around that had come from all over the world, they always had to come for Pentecost, they, they knew Aramaic, which was what everybody, the common tongue, and then they, they came from all these different cultures, so they all knew two languages, and the Holy Spirit, these Galileans, these uneducated people were speaking in the languages they came from, and they're like, what, what is this? They're speaking. We can understand them. Isn't it funny? In, in Babel, God divides the world with tongues, and they can't understand each other. And in Acts 2 at Pentecost, he pours out his spirit, and they're still speaking in tongues, but now they understand. And God unites the church. I think it's amazing. Um, there are tongues of men, it says, and there are tongues of angels. So there are tongues that God could give you that no one on, on this earth understands. It's, it's a tongue of angels. What, are, what, what, what is speaking in tongues? Secondly, it is the expected evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me read this passage to you in Acts chapter 10. 
While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. And and then the next verse says, who can keep these from getting baptized in water since they, even though they're Gentiles, which Gentiles were out, who can keep them from being baptized since they received the same gift we received at the beginning? At the beginning, 120 all got tongues. If tongues was only for a select few, you know, there's nine supernatural gifts. If tongues was only for a select few, wouldn't only, you know, a twelfth of them or a ninth of them get tongues and a ninth get this and a ninth get that and, and it would just be one of many? All, all 120 got tongues. And it says the reason why the Jewish believers, that's the circumcised, that's what that means. The believers, the reason why they knew the Holy Spirit had fallen on them was not because they were smiling. It wasn't because we just felt it. We just felt it in the room. It was because they heard them speak with tongues. They, they didn't get fire. They didn't get rushing wind. They didn't get any sound. They just got tongues. Acts chapter 19, all 12, it says, got speaking in tongues. Jesus has said this, Mark 16, 17, these signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Aren't you glad that every believer has authority over the devil? Aren't you glad it's not a select few and only those that have a certain gift? Jesus said, if you believe, here's what you're going to get. One, you're going to have authority over the devil. Every single believer. You can believe yesterday and now you've got authority over the devil because the authority is about Jesus and about Jesus' name. Secondly, in my name, they're going to give, they're going to speak in new tongues. They're going to have new, a new expression, new tongues. And then everybody wants to know, well, can you be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues? And here's what I would say. Yeah, you can. I know it because I was baptized in the Holy Spirit like a mooing cow. And I got tongues later. Everybody gets tongues when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But sometimes people don't manifest it because... They're really intellectual or because they don't want to. They don't want to look weird. And so it, it stays bottled up in them. Even though they got the baptism of the Holy Spirit and received the gift, it never has its full expression. And so um, this is one thing you learn about the Holy Spirit. He'll never make you do anything. He, he's not going to force you. The, the whole idea that a radio turns on and all of a sudden you're just going in other language, that's, that's not how it is. He, he works with you. Um, what is speaking in tongues? It is a prayer language and a public gift. 1 Corinthians 12.30 was definitive for us. Uh, are all apostles, are all uh, prophets, are all da-da-da, do all speak in tongues? And the clear answer in the text is no. Paul is talking about 1 Corinthians 12. He's talking about gifts that are in the body. And the key is verse 11, for the edification of the body. 
God has given gifts that are going to be used not to edify you, but to, to edify the rest of the body of Christ. And one of those gifts is diversity of tongues. And Paul gives instruction, whenever this is used publicly, it must be interpreted. So much so that if no one interprets, you need to pray that you interpret. It would be out of order to have a tongue publicly and then you and there not be an interpretation. So there is a public tongue. It is one of the gifts of the Spirit. We have that happen sometimes in prayer meeting and uh, we wait for an interpretation. And everyone will not have that gift. In fact, Paul himself didn't have that gift. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, and keep in mind, the Corinthians are kind of hung up on tongues. They've got their identity in tongues. They think they're spiritual because they speak in tongues and they're using the prayer language in wrong ways. And Paul comes and says, listen, guys, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you guys. But in the church, I'd rather use five words of my regular language than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul says, I've got tongues. I use it all the time. But it's the prayer language. If somebody prays in tongues, he says, it is the spirit praying, praying the mind has no understanding. Guys, there is a prayer language that has nothing to do with doing it in public. It has to do with you and the Lord. The prayer language is available to everyone. The public gift is not. The public gift moves, First uh, Corinthians 12, 11 says, as the spirit moves. Just like all the other gifts. The, the, if you've got the gift of healing, it doesn't mean you can go clear out a hospital. That gift moves as the spirit wills. So even though God's used you in healing in the past, it doesn't mean you've got a ministry even in healing. does not mean you control it. It's as the spirit wills. And so God will move on you and the gift of healing will manifest and it's beautiful and it's powerful, but it is not in your control. It's in the Holy Spirit's control. And so it is with the public gift of tongues. You don't get to decide, oh, this is kind of a boring service. I think I'll give a tongue. Why don't we, why don't we liven things up a little? No, the Holy Spirit directs that gift. The Holy Spirit actually has to initiate it. The prayer language is not like that. The prayer language, you start it, you stop it whenever you want to. All right, so... 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, you, you read them and um, you, need, you may need to study that out for yourself. Paul says in Ephesians 6, 18, with all of your prayers, pray in the Spirit. And people have said, well, all that means, that's not a reference to tongues, that's just a reference to with all your prayers, pray in the Holy Spirit. Hey, Let's do hermeneutics here. Paul is the one that gets to say what he... If if he's talked about praying in the Spirit somewhere else, then we need to see what he said. Paul's the one that said, when I pray in a tongue, I'm praying in the Spirit. What will I do then? I will pray in in my spirit and I will pray with my mind. That's the the next verse. Paul's, Paul's saying, with all of your prayers, pray in the Spirit. With all of your prayers in your known language, it's really, I don't know if anybody else experiences it, it's really hard to know what to pray. You know, God bless them. 
God, really bless them. Bless Africa, God. You know, I mean, it's hard to know what to pray. And, and with all of your prayers, then pray in the spirit. Use, use that prayer language. In Jude 20, Jude says this. You, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Faith doesn't come by praying in tongues. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Sometimes we have faith, but it's, it's, it's getting choked out and we need it built up. The prayer language builds up faith. It builds you up on the inside. Oh boy, we're moving ahead of ourselves. Um, why, why would I want a prayer language? This is the first one for spiritual edification. That, that, the, that praying in the tongues, it builds up your spirit man. It builds up your faith. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says, um, he that prays in a tongue edifies himself. It is, it is a way that God has given to renew you. The, the word edifies is like the word charges. It charges you. It's like it's charging your battery. It's like getting hooked up, hooking your battery up to the, one of those trickle chargers, and, and you're, getting, you're getting charged again for action. Um, has anybody noticed the frustrating thing about batteries? They all look new. Batteries all look new. But we no longer pay attention to that anymore because we know that's, that's not, just because it looks new does not mean it's new. <laughs> it, it, just because it looks really good on the outside does not mean there's a charge in these babies. And so we'll put them in and we're actually careful to throw away batteries that have lost their charge because I don't want to go through this frustration again. How many know that you can look Christian? <laughs> Look, everything looks good. You read your Bible. You, you go to church. You got the smile. How are you? It's going great. God bless you. Da, 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 da. You, can, you can look really, really good and not have a charge anymore. Wow. Praying in tongues is an amazing thing because you can get charged again. It's a way to renew yourself again. Why would I want to pray in tongues? Secondly, to pray for others. Romans 8, 26 and 27, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit, some people have thought that this means the Holy Spirit somewhere praying apart from us. That's not what it says. It says, we don't know how to pray as we ought to, so the Holy Spirit helps us. God is into us doing this with him. He, he is not off doing it apart from us. He, the Holy Spirit, helps us pray. And he's, he prays even beyond regular speech. Sometimes there's the travailings of groanings. Speaking in tongues is another way the Holy Spirit helps us. And of course, the Holy Spirit knows exactly what the will of God is. The Holy Spirit prays perfect prayers, which is why... Pray as good as you can and then clean it up by praying in the Spirit. Let's get, let's get this thing done. So I have a friend that, that uh, we, were, we were on fire together and we, were, we used to pray at St. Paul's. 
every morning at 5.30, and we were both very loud. We were very, actually kind of filled with ourselves, and, uh, but we, our identity was, we are so spiritual. We're going to be world changers, and we would pray in tongues all the time, and here's what I didn't know. The whole time, we're praying in tongues. Him and I would pray in tongues together. We'd pray in tongues loudly together, and uh, here's what I didn't know. He always doubted his tongues. He'd do it all the time, but he doubted it. Is this really God or not? So he goes off to um, Fuller University for a graduate degree. And he's taken a class. Oh, here's what he, he had purposed with God. When he gets out to Fuller, he decides that he is going to do an experiment with God. He is going to pray in tongues 15 minutes a day. He's setting an egg timer for 15 minutes. And he's just going to, he's, he's using this scripture about edification. I'm going to pray for 15 minutes a day. I'm going to do it for 30 days. God's, God, you said I would be edified. And I'm just, going to, I'm just going to force myself to do this. And hoping that God would confirm that this really is him. So every, every night, 15 minutes, set the timer. And he's praying in tongues. Walking back and forth, praying in tongues. Timer goes off, he's done. He's halfway through it. And he's at one of his classes. C. Peter Wagner and John Wimber at that time were doing a, a class called Signs, Wonders, and Church Growth. And um, John Wimber, uh, he died in 1997. He, was, he started the Vineyard Churches, and he's just a, he was just a general in the Holy Spirit and moved in all the gifts of the Spirit and, and loved. But his favorite thing was to release other people to do the stuff, to actually do the stuff. And so he would always have workshops at the end where we, we would, they would practice. And so, uh, so, he, uh, so my friend is, is there this day, and John Wimber says, uh, he says, well, we're going to have a little practice. And he says, the Lord tells me right now there are seven people here right now. Your hands are burning. And sure enough, my friend's hands are, are burning. And he says, you seven, come on up here. It's exactly seven people. They come to the front. He says, you're going to be the prayer team. Now, everybody that needs healing, everybody that needs freedom, everybody that needs deliverance, you come on up to the front. These seven, God's anointed them to pray for you. And so he's, he's up there praying for people. And um, he remembers this one Latino woman that comes up and he prays as good as he can and then he starts speaking in tongues and but it's more than just tongues it's warring he's warring over her and he's and uh she is she is very very moved by it and but he doesn't give another thought to it until later that day he's at the post office and she comes in with a friend and yells in the post office there he is and she comes over and she, she says, I have got to know, I've got to know something. I've got to know, do you know Spanish? And he says, no. And she starts crying. And she says, I have questioned whether any of this supernatural stuff is right. And she said, you started praying over me and you started using the dialect she said, I'm from a village in Mexico with a very distinct dialect, and you were praying, you were rebuking the devil in my dialect. And she's weep- now he's weeping, because this is the confirmation that this, this, is, this is God. This is something that God is doing. Why, why a prayer language? Thirdly, a rest in the spirit. 
Isaiah 28, indeed, he will speak to this people through stammering lips and a foreign tongue. He who said to them, here is rest, give rest to the weary. It's just so helpful when you're really tired and frankly, you're not in the mood to have a prayer language. The prayer language gets you in the mood. Prayer language is so easy to do. I remember when I was going through the really dark time in 2008 and 2009, we were living in an apartment. The church was splitting. It was horrible. And here was my favorite thing to do. I would go up. It was a one-bedroom apartment with a loft, but there was this closet in the loft. And we had a computer in, in the closet. And I would go in there, and I would play golf on the computer, and I would pray in tongues for an hour. It doesn't take your mind to pray in tongues. You, you can do anything and be praying in tongues. And it was just such a rat. It was just so restful. It's no effort. Just very restful. I love putting on a CD, a worship CD, and just praying in tongues. And just, just resting. Resting in God. Resting in God and allowing God to stir my spirit up. Why tongues? It's, it's a doorway. There's nothing more discouraging to me than when people want the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they come and they get it and they speak in tongues and then it's like, oh, got it now. No, 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 no. No, it's a doorway gift. It, this is the beginning. This is to help you seek God more. There are more gifts. We need, we need the river flowing. We need healing. We need deliverance. We need, we, this is an aid to get us going for more. This is not the end all. It's a doorway. It's a doorway gift. It, it, it makes you very conscious that God is in you. When you speak in tongues, it's hard not to be conscious. God's in me. And building that awareness of his presence it just aids. It just aids in the awareness. <clears throat> so let's get on to it. Receiving, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, um, the baptism is a gift. It's not a reward for good behavior. But he, there, there's two things that will hold it back. <laughs> One, you do need to be saved first. <laughs> You need to give your life to Jesus. Jesus has already poured salvation out on the world. The first step is receiving Jesus. Uh, if you haven't received Jesus, you can do that tonight and then still get filled with the Holy Spirit tonight. That's fine. But you gotta, you got to come to Christ first for forgiveness and be washed and have the well within before that well can overflow. That makes sense, doesn't it? Second thing that will hinder, that will stop the Holy Spirit, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is unforgiveness. Guys, I am sorry, but part of the gospel, the gospel is not just God forgiving you. The gospel is also you forgiving everybody else. And so um, this, 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 God's very, very serious about you forgiving other people. And so if, if you got something against your dad, it's okay. Forgive him. Forgive him. Something against your husband, forgive him. Something against your wife, forgive him. Something against... America, Donald Trump, the Democrats, whoever it is, forgive them. You're not going to have God's favor flowing if you're holding on. Christianity is a new beginning for you. 
but it's also you giving a new beginning to other people. And the, the things of the spirit will not flow when you're holding on to your right to be angry, your right to be offended, your right to be bitter, your right because of the great injustice that was done you. And you're going to hold on to it because that was wrong. Listen, the greatest injustice is not what happened to you. It's what happened to Jesus on the cross where the innocent, spotless lamb of God died in your place. That's the greatest injustice. And so don't make it about what you went through. Make it about what he went through for you. Well, every time I think about it, it makes me angry. Okay, well, think about something different. Seriously, every time I think about Jesus dying on that cross, it makes me want to forgive. Think about it. Think about what Jesus did for you. And it allows you to forgive. And and the reason I'm so strong on it is... This is not going to flow for you. And I just want everybody to have the best experience they can. Receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. um, I mentioned this morning, Jesus said, whoever is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. It's really important that you want this. It can't can't be mom wants me to have this. It can't be the pastor Tom wants me to have this. If that's where you are and you're in this meeting and somebody else wants you to get this because you need it, and you're here, maybe God will make you a little thirstier, but it's probably not your night tonight. You need, you need to want this for yourself. Second, how do I, how do I receive the baptism of the Spirit? Um, you need to receive it as a gift, not as a reward. John 1.12 says that, to 11 says, he came to his own, his own received not, but to as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the children of God. God's poured out salvation on the world. Salvation's already available for everybody in the world, but it doesn't kick in until somebody actively receives it. You need to receive what God has poured out. It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit has already been given to the church. Peter says it this way, repent and be baptized, every one of you, under the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is verse 39. For the promise of the Holy Spirit is to you, those Jewish people right there, to you, to your children, okay, that's still not us, is it? And to everybody far off, to as many as believe in Jesus, there is a promise. There is a gift all paid for that is, it's yours, but you need to receive it. You need to actively receive it as a gift. If you got in your mind that this is a reward for good Christians, you're, it's gonna, you're gonna have trouble receiving. <laughs> this is not a reward. This isn't for mature Christians. This is a gift. Anybody can have this gift because it's, it's a gift. Ask the Father with confidence for more of the Holy Spirit. Luke 11, 11 through 13. Jesus says, if your children asked you for bread, would you slip in a stone? If they asked you for a fish, would you slip in a scorpion? If you being evil know how to give good, good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit and only the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? But there, there are stories out there that, you know, if I ask, I might get a demon instead of, I've heard of, you know, it's going to be the devil's going to get in. Guys, get rid of all of that. That's ridiculous. 
God loves you. He's a good father. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, you're not opening yourself up to a demon or some weird thing. He is a good father. And he gives the Holy Spirit and only the Holy Spirit to those who ask. If you, want tri- if you don't trick your kids, God's not going to trick you. Um, and then cooperate with the Spirit. The Bible says in, in verse 4 there, they spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you don't open up your mouth and step out and speak, you will never speak in tongues. I just want it to be God. I know. I I want it to be God. But God's way is a co-working. The Holy Spirit will help, but you're going to actually have to open up your mouth and start speaking. And people can be very stubborn about this. And they're just going to, I'm here to receive. Go ahead and pray for me. Uh, He's not going to make you speak in tongues. You got to be willing. You got to be willing to receive, and then you got to be willing to look a little stupid. Because the way that it starts to flow, you're not going to look good. You're not going to sound that good. And you step out, and you know you don't know how to do it, and of course you don't know how to do it. And so you're out, you're out of the comfort zone. You're, you're on ground you haven't been on before. And, and that's kind of the mystery in it. That's kind of the, that's kind of the, the sweetness of it. And, and you step out. And as you speak, God will give the utterance. And, um, and, then, and then finally persevere if everything you're expecting doesn't happen all at once. Everybody receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit differently. There's a different way, a different timing. Uh, People sometimes receive it at night. Sometimes people receive it right away. Sometimes, like me, I'm driving home. Sometimes many people receive it in the shower. Um, Just because everything doesn't happen here tonight, exactly how you were hoping it would happen or designed, does not mean that God is withholding this gift and you're the one that's not going to get a prayer line. That's That's not the right takeaway. God wants this. He wants this gift to flow. And sometimes there's a little struggle with us, our minds, our emotions, our past experiences. Sometimes it's hard when you're in a meeting like this and everybody is around you. And, and, and God will give you the gift if you ask for it. And you just persevere with it. And eventually you'll get your prayer lunch. If, it, if you don't get it tonight. I think m- many of you are going to get it right tonight. Um, okay, so do we have any... Any questions about this and about tongues? And I'll take a couple questions and then we're going to pray. Yeah. Bro, great, great question. If you're holding on to unforgiveness, how, how, how much do I need to do? It's as simple as saying, God, I forgive these people. I forgive these people for your sake. That doesn't mean you're going to be all healed all right away. Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. So, absolutely. And then, was there another question back here? I thought I saw somebody else with a hand up. No? Any other questions? And we're going we're gonna to go to stage two here. All right, let's go on to stage two. If you wouldn't mind, just for a moment, closing your eyes, bowing your head. 
you are here tonight and you're, maybe, maybe your heart is beating a little faster right now. You're, you're kind of like me coming to that meeting. You, you want this. You want to receive this. You, you, don't, you don't know what it's going to look like, but you are here tonight. You saw it in the Bible. You see that there's a second experience. And what, even if it includes tongues, I want this. If that is you, would you just raise your hand real high right now long enough for me to say, okay, hands all over this place. Awesome. Okay. You can, you can put all of those hands down. And then maybe there's somebody here that you have been prayed for it before and you think you might already have tongues, but you didn't understand it and it really never flowed and you, you want to get reactivated tonight. You want to, to get released in your praying lunch. Is there anybody like that by upraised hand? Okay, now I got, we got a whole other group of hands. Okay, that's fantastic. All right, so here's how we're going to do it. Could we stand to our feet? I'm going to ask everybody that raised their hand for either one to come on up to the front, and I'm going to ask you to make one line. We're going to go from door to door because there's a lot of people. So come on up. We're going to make one line so there's no confusion of who is up here to receive the prayer language. Okay. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You got to face me. You got to face the front. Okay. And about, here's the, here's, it might be two lines. Here's the first line right here. First line all the way across. Yep. About two feet from the stage. Come on, right up, right up here. And all the, all the way to the door. All the way to the door. Okay, all right. It's going to be two lines. Okay, that's fine. So, can you guys just move up a little closer? It's going to get awkward with me standing here. Okay, then I want us. Yeah, okay, so we've got a second line. And here's the key on the second line. We need room to walk in that second line, we're going to need we're going to need room to walk. So between the two lines, there needs to be room. Okay, that's good. Okay, you guys need to just back just a little more up because here's what we're going to do. I have got some people that I've specially asked to help pray for other people for the prayer language. Could those people come out and come on to the front? Get get in front of these people.